Welcome to Season 3 of How About We Do This Together, a podcast of the Northwest Christian Network. Season 3 is based around the 2023 Northwest Christian Convention, happening in Turner from July 27th to July 2nd. Follow the link in the show notes to register before the convention and to watch the videos after the convention is over. I hope you enjoy today's episode as we talk about how we can do this thing called the church together. Well, I'm not used to using a microphone, so here we go. Um, I don't know if any of you are familiar with minister's taxes. I'm going to assume you're not, okay? So I want to give you kind of an overview and eventually I'll take questions later on after we get to some specifics. I've been doing income taxes for 40 years now. Um, Our office does a lot of minister's tax return, clergy, pastors, whatever you want to call them. Um, I'm not here as an official representative of the company I work for. I work for an income tax preparation firm. The owner is a CPA, he's also a Christian, so it's a great place to work. My husband is a retired minister, so this is personal for me. And as soon as I was already doing income taxes, but when he went into full-time ministry, it became much more real to me, and I paid a lot more attention and started focusing more on it. So first of all, um, just because you work for a church doesn't mean you're eligible for minister's tax treatment, right? You have to meet certain requirements. That Those requirements are going to vary depending on the church you work for. If you work for, um, I used to have a friend who I worked with who used to say, it's so easy for you guys to be treated as ministers in your church, but it's not in mine. And she was Lutheran at the time, and her son was becoming ordained, and they have, at that point anyway, a very long process for that before he could qualify for minister's tax treatment. So um, I do have books. I don't have the current versions. They're mostly online nowadays, and I discovered when I went to look at some of them that some of my favorites are now out of print. They're not printing them. They're not updating them every year, unfortunately. Um, The one um, that is updated every year is this big. It's got a lot of words, okay? (laughs) Yeah. It's the Church and Clergy Tax Guide by Church Law and Tax. Richard Hammers, the editor, I think he has another one that's more condensed also, although I have not looked at it. Um, So first of all, for for minister's tax treatment. So we're not talking about someone who cleans the building or does the office work, right, Uh, necessarily. So you have to be IRS, calls it ordained, commissioned, Something along those lines should qualify for minister's tax treatment. And once you qualify as a minister, the church needs to treat you that way for income tax purposes. The second thing is you're unique. I don't know if you knew that or not, but pastors are unique in their tax station. <laughs> They're the only taxpayers who have what's called dual status. They're the only ones with dual status under the tax code. This refers to the fact that for almost all pastors today, 
you are an employee for income tax purposes, but you are self-employed for Social Security tax purposes. This creates a unique situation on your tax return. There's one other group of taxpayers that has a housing allowance. It's treated much differently, though, and that would be military. Okay? This, what I'm saying does not pertain to military at all. This is totally just for pastors. Um, and in general, in IRS's view, almost all ministers or clergy today are employees of their local congregation. There is an exception to this occasionally, and there are definitely, in fact, a lot of our clergy have secondary income that is truly self-employment income. This would be going to speak at Turner, you know, at this convention, doing funerals, weddings, that kinds of things. That is truly self-employment income and does not, does not go through the church unless you work for an unusual church. Um, the... So the, what that means is you're going to get a W-2 from your congregation, okay? These W-2s look different than the standard W-2s because box 3, 4, 5, and 6, which is the way they're co- they were numbered for 2022, no guarantees they don't change the numbering system next year, those boxes should all be blank. I think we had, in fact, I just got a corrected W-2 from someone in Oklahoma who's a pastor today. We've been waiting for this since March because they withheld um, Social Security and Medicare taxes, which I'll talk about a little bit later. But he needed a corrected W-2, and it just came through today finally. Um, the So box one and two, which is federal income tax, or taxable income, or wages is box one. Box two is federal withholding. Those are going to have numbers in it, as well as the Oregon boxes, assuming you're an Oregon resident or working for an Oregon organization. California would be the same way. Um, Don't want to get too specific here, but basically, it said you're dual status, you have a W-2, you're also unique under the tax code, but that, that doesn't mean that all the tax laws don't apply to you. Okay? So... Um, am I maintaining that taxes are easy? No. That they're fair? No. That they're simple? No. But we work with what we have, right? Um, my personal expectation for clergy is that I really want you to be people of integrity as you deal with your taxes. That doesn't mean that sometimes you aren't faced with, is this aggressive or not aggressive, or is it a matter of integrity? Because sometimes those are hard to differentiate. Sometimes I'm very clear. This is just being aggressive, and I'm fine with it. And whoever I'm dealing with is not sure about it, but the opposite also happens too, where I'm going, no, that's illegal. You can't do that. And they're going, I'm just being aggressive. (laughs) Um, So I want you to know there's lots of misinformation out there. A lot of it probably from your fellow pastors, employees, Don't take advice from someone who's not in this tax field, okay? And don't take advice, or be careful who you take advice from, even if they're licensed with a CPA or licensed tax consultant, which is what my licensure is. I'm licensed with the state of Oregon. Make sure they understand pastor's taxes because they are so unique. And it's not like there's 
25,000 of you in Portland that need your taxes done, so it's not common that everyone deals with them. Um, so that being said, so you're unique, but you're not unique. So the laws that determine what is taxable income and what is deductible expenses are the same for a pastor as they are for someone who works at Bank of America or Red Meyer or Nike, wherever. Just because a church wants to pay you something doesn't mean they can say it's tax-free, okay? It still has to fall under what IRS says is tax-free or an employee benefit that can be tax-free. That also means that um, allowances, so if the church, and I'll talk about this a little bit later when I get into more specifics, but if they want to give you an allowance for um, professional expenses or for car, because they know you, most ministers use a car a lot, right? You're always running to the hospital, wherever, to the store to get supplies for VBS, whatever it is. Um, they can't just give you a flat 200 a month and not count it as income. If that's how they treat it, that's taxable income to you on your tax return, you have to deduct the expenses on your personal return. There is a way to work with that, and I don't want to say get around it, that's not the right terminology, but to structure your pay package so you have an accountable reimbursement plan. And that's definitely what I would recommend. Those plans work the same for someone who's in ministry as they do for someone who's in sales work, say. Because most of your Nike employees aren't going to have that kind of thing, but the salesmen are the most comparable in terms of the type of expenses you have. You have the travel, you might have books, education, that kind of thing, entertainment, not entertainment, meals. So the, that's kind of the general. So I want to talk a little bit about the Social Security tax side and then the income tax side. So the Social Security tax side... Now, I said you're self-employed for Social Security tax purposes. What that means is that you have to pay both halves, we call it. So when you work for Fred Meyer, they're going to withhold 6.2% um, Social Security tax plus 1.45, sorry for my writing, Medicare tax, up to certain income tax limits. So as an employee, you never see that money when you work for Fred Meyer, they withhold that automatically from every paycheck. You don't have an option. It comes out. When you are being treated as a minister for Social Security tax purposes, that is not withheld. The church can't withhold that for you. Um, and you have to pay not only what would have been withheld from your wages, but the matching part that your employer pays. So if this much is withheld by Fred Meyer, Fred Meyer pays that double that amount into IRS every paycheck. Um, so it works out, it's 15.3% overall. But when I do the numbers for someone, when I'm doing an extension calculation or something, I usually use more like 14, 14.2% because there are a couple of adjustments to this rate that bring it down slightly. Here again, I want to mention those expenses. So in 2018, there was a major, end of 17, major, major, major tax package passed. Originally, it was billed as simplification. They had one year where it was a partial page tax return. 
it was not simplification. For some people, it did simplify their personal returns, absolutely. But for us in the tax world, it added a whole new layer of intense complexity. For qualified business income is the big one that just really blew up in our faces. Um, we spent hours and hours and hours trying to grasp that concept. Um, but your so under current tax code, which is set to sunset in 2025, we'll see. Who knows? I have no crystal ball. Under current tax code, your professional expenses that are not reimbursed are not deductible for income tax purposes. Okay? It's gone. Poof. There's no Schedule A 2%. But they're still deductible for Social Security tax purposes. That did not change. We were afraid it might have for a couple of months, but it didn't change. Still deductible for Social Security tax purposes. The um, only what's unreimbursed, though. So if the church reimburses you $200 to come to the conference, but it costs you $300, you get to deduct the 100 right? But if they just pay for it directly, I don't... You don't need to worry about it. Right. Yep. Okay. Yep. Right. Yep. So the other main facet of minister's taxes is this income tax side. So what's the big deal here? The big deal here is you're paying both halves and it's, none of it's being withheld. The big deal here is that the housing allowance, to the extent there's a whole qualification, which I'm not going to quote it verbatim, but basically it's the lower of the amount that you spent, the amount that was designated, or the fair rental value of your home or apartment, whatever it is, can be tax-free. So this is a lower of limitation. Some limitations don't go that way. This one does, definitely lower of. The other thing that comes into play here, you must do this in advance, okay? Really, you should do it in December of 22 or 23 for 24, you, but you wanna do it before you get that first paycheck in 24 for sure. It needs to be in writing by the board in advance. Um, court case after court case is going to disallow it if it's not done in advance. The, um, I'm going to hand out a worksheet in a little while. that, that I'm, It's our in-office worksheet that we have d made up. I modified it slightly. I added a few specific things that are specific to 2023, like the mileage allowance and things like that. Took off um, identifying information and stuff like that. But... Um, this is to be for your main residence only. So if you have a vacation home, second home, no, none of that qualifies. Um, this is a huge tax break. So if you're in an Oregonian, you're paying, um, very few people are below 12% federal income tax, unless you have a lot of children at home under 17, okay? So you're at a minimum of 12% fed, and roughly, it's like 8.8% Oregon. Let's call it nine. So 21%. So if you have, if you spend 30,000 on a housing allowance, I can't do math in my head. <laughs> if you spend 30,000 on a housing allowance, you're going to save 21% of that in taxes, roughly. I did um, 
last year I was presenting to a big church in Portland, and I went through one of our pastor's tax returns to double-check to see how much tax it actually saved them. I went back and recalculated as if he had been an employee and had withholding. Um, and in that example, his pay package was about 51000 His wife worked, earned roughly 39 something um, They did not have children. But even after paying both sides of this, they saved, where's my number, 3950 in taxes. So that's, you know, over 300 a month tax savings. It doesn't feel like that at the time a lot of times for ministers because you're having a lot withheld for federal income tax or you're paying estimates or you're paying at the end of the year. This is also a huge tax break in that, which this major tax package changed this to. A lot of people don't itemize for federal anymore. But if you live in Oregon and you own a home, and you have a mortgage, you're almost certainly itemizing for Oregon. The threshold is much, much, much lower. So don't miss that, that you can probably be itemizing for Oregon. And the fact that you wrote off your property tax and your interest on your home under your housing allowance, you still get it on Schedule A. You get to double dip. So don't miss that. Don't miss itemizing for Oregon. A lot of new clients we get, when they bring their TurboTax into us, they didn't itemize the previous year for Oregon. If you own a home, have any kind of mortgage, you're probably itemizing for Oregon and charitable. And that, again, is scheduled to sunset to go back in half of what it is currently at the end of 2025. I really don't know what will happen here. Um, yeah. Um, when my husband comes to me and says, what should I put down for our housing allowance? Yeah. I'm like, what does the housing allowance cover? Yeah. I will, yes. I'm going to get to that in a minute. Yep. And that would be the one thing on here that I meant to write down. And I can't emphasize this enough. That says over, in case you can't read my writing. Over designate. Over designate. After you, you know, when you go home and look at this for next year, if you say, I'm going to spend 25000 for housing allowance, but your pay package, I mean, you have to obviously be paid that much at least. So if you're part-time, it doesn't always work. Um, if you say, I'm going to spend $25, i am pretty sure, over-designate. Add another 5000 to that, okay? If you go to someone who does your income taxes and they don't ask you for some specific information, they're really not doing their due diligence. We do this worksheet on every single minister we do. We don't require receipts. We want them to give us a summary of their expenses. We look at their mortgage, things like that. Um, there's no downside to over-designating. And if you're real part-time, can you designate the whole thing? Yes. Okay? A couple of quick questions. Real quick, this is about still being able to claim your mileage. For Social Security tax purposes. Yep. You can, you're going to run into the fair rental value limitation here. 
is what you're going to run into. But you want to, again, you want to over-designate, and then you can back off. Because what happens is um, if you can picture a tax return at all in your mind, the first line there is wages that come off a of W-2. They've changed the lines on the 2022 tax return. And now minister's housing that was not used came in, like, still on line one, but it's like box H, I think it was. I have it in here. Um, as an add back. So someone who designated 40000 but spent 35200 we have an add back on that line, 1H. That's why there's no downside, okay? Um, the, there is a slight downside, but I'll get to that when I talk about the pay package um, in terms of over-designating. So you want to think about that. But when you designate, you want to allow for the fact that you could have unexpected expenses that you don't want, the furnace goes out, or things that you decide to do, you decide to redecorate, get a new couch, whatever. Um, so at this point, what am I doing on time? I want to go ahead and pass out a worksheet. Um, I've got plenty. Oh, here, let me give you some more. I think that's enough. Um, I brought plenty. While he's passing that out, I do want to clarify one thing. If you're, and we have this situation more and more where both husband and wife or wife and husband are on the church payroll as ministers, that's not uncommon. I, we probably have four or five couples in our practice where that is the case. You can't both claim the same expenses. You don't get to quadruple dip, in other words, okay? Um, the total housing expenses that you spent are the total housing expenses spent. And in practice, number-wise, it's not going to matter who claimed them, right? Um, in terms of the number on the tax return, you guys can decide, uh, I'm going to claim 10000 he's going to claim ten, or whatever. The bottom line won't work out different. It doesn't affect the Social Security tax calculation because you do pay income tax, or sorry, you pay Social Security tax on the housing allowance. I, think I, I don't think I clarified that earlier. Housing allowance is absolutely subject to Social Security tax. The one thing I want to mention before I dive into this worksheet that I did not talk about um, is there is a provision which is being used less and less these days to opt out of Social Security coverage for ministers. Our older ministers... Years ago, they're probably pretty much all retired or passed away by now, did not have the option to even be in the system. The law has evolved over the years. For a long time now, it's been that you are in the system unless you opt out. Okay? Um, and once you're out of the system, you are out from your minister's wages for the rest of your life, unless there's an option to get back in. But that's only happened once in the last 25 years, I think. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, you, she asked um, about opting back into Social Security if you're out. There is no option currently. It hasn't been one for probably 25 years. The only way to get back in now would be to go into secular work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And those who have opted out, a lot of people in that I know, some of them opted out um, not really understanding what was happening or taking advice from someone who was well-meaning but didn't know the law. Um, and so there are cert a lot of rules around that. IRS is supposed to contact you personally to go over that and explain that it's a conscientious objection, can't have to do with economics, that you're opposed to getting Social Security benefits for your work as a minister. Okay, One of the downsides to opting out economically, in my mind, there are a lot of downsides to it, one of those being Medicare, another being Social Security retirement. Yes, sir? Right. If you work 40 quarters, you still have some retirement benefits and you'd be eligible for Medicare. However, your retirement benefits are based on the highest 35 years of earnings that you paid in on the Social Security system currently. Everything's subject to change with income taxes, right? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> yes, ma'am. No, you have no option to opt out. Yes. Yeah. This is a specific. You were asking about opting out at another secular job. This ex option to opt out is only for ministers' wages. It's not for any other purpose. Um, we encourage people personally not to opt out in our office and to be upfront about that. That's kind of our bias. A lot of us do ministers' tax returns. A lot of us are Christians. A lot of us are treasurers for the church or for a non you know, another nonprofit. Um, that is our bias. I will be honest about that. Oh, not to opt out. Yeah. Yeah. But I can't. Yes. You have two years to opt out. Yep. Yep. Two years. Yep. And once you opt out, you've opted out. And, you know, like I said, our bias is that, but I can't speak to what someone else's conscience is. Or, and if you relied on bad advice, which I know I have some clients who did, you know, unfortunately, you're kind of stuck at this point. Um, I don't know of IRS ever letting someone in back in. I can't say it wouldn't happen. Okay. Um, so if you look at this worksheet, I want to talk about housing allowance first because that's where more of the questions I feel like arise. Um, so when we talk about housing allowance, if you're renting, obviously it's the rent you pay, right? Pretty cut and dried. Or non-refundable deposits. Um, if you own your home, it's going to be not your house payments per se. We don't use house payments per se in our calculation because for many people that includes an escrow account and the escrow account is not deductible, only what comes out of the escrow account is deductible. So your housing, your house payments are going to include interest paid during the calendar year. Remember, you're calendar year taxpayer, so January 1 to December 31. This also gives you, which is one of the things I like about working with ministers' taxes, planning opportunities. You get to December and you realize, ah, I've overspent my housing. Take your now you have to take it off auto pay and not pay it till the first or second of January. You just moved that 
house payment, which is one of your larger housing expenses every month, to the next calendar year, and you can over-designate your housing allowance for the next calendar year. So there's some sway here. If your if you're washer and dryer went out, you probably want to place it now. If it's a new couch, maybe you want to wait till January, okay? Or maybe you want to push it into December if you've underused your housing. There's some planning that, you know, on a $1,000 purchase, you're talking $210 savings, probably minimum. So it's worth thinking about. Um, and the one thing I would say, too, about record keeping. Pick whichever, if you're married, whichever one of you is better with numbers and details needs to be the one that keeps the records. Um, when I talk to couples, I often have, and sometimes he's the minister, sometimes she is, one of them's glassy-eyed, okay? Some people are numbers people, some people are not. You just <laughs> figure out who is, who isn't, and develop. I'm kind of an advocate of developing a system that works for you. Is that an envelope or a Ziploc bag where you stuff every receipt? When we get back from Fred Meyer or Ace Hardware, some receipts are pretty clear. You can tell, furnace filter or whatever. Other receipts aren't that clear what it was, and so I try to write on the top what it was. Um, personally, I use Quicken, but you can use QuickBooks. You can use any sort of budgeting software you want. Excel spreadsheets, a lot of clients bring us Excel spreadsheets. Those work. Um, some expenses are easy to track down at the end of the year. What are those? Your housing allowance? Your I mean, not your housing, your house payments? <laughs> your utilities, right? You can usually go to the, your account online, get the whole year's at a glance. The things that are harder are the smaller things, the repairs. The, um, you repaired the dishwasher, you repaired the washer and dryer. Oh, and you bought new bedding for the kid's bed. Um, those are the kinds of things that it's easy to lose track of, but do add up over time. Um, property taxes are obviously easy to keep track of. Homeowner's insurance, generally it comes out of your payment or you're paying it either monthly through an electronic withdrawal or you're paying it once or twice a year. Um, other things that are included, so repairs to the home and appliances. So if you have to put a new roof on, absolutely that counts. You might run up against fair rental value limitations with the cost of roofs nowadays because they are very expensive. Um, but So over-designate that housing. If you see a roof coming in your future, over-designate. Um, other things that you might not think of, so bedding, I mentioned sheets, blankets, comforters, um, pillows, cookware, the frying pan, the blender, the mixer, microwave, um, knickknacks, so decorative knickknacks. IRS's code for the what qualifies is very, very short. So the things that we are saying nowadays and that these books say qualify is really based on court cases, okay? Um, but the code is very short to provide a home, housing. This does not ever include um, personal items, toiletries, um, paper goods, food, groceries, makeup, clothes, shoes, um, toys, games. That does not count. The TV might, or does, but not the video games for the TV type thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about your 10 coffee pots, Chris, but um, <laughs> the, uh, 
landscaping. So you put in bark dust, that qualifies. You go plant rose bushes, that qualifies. You buy a lawnmower, you're good. The gas for the lawnmower, you're good. But you pay a lawn service to come in every month, every week? No, doesn't qualify. Um, you put in a new fence, yep, all those things. You repair the fence that fell down in the backyard. There's a lot of things here that are commonly missed or that take some work to track. So it's kind of up to you. You know, I'm a detail-oriented person. I like tracking those things. So I've always tracked those for us, which, by the way, I'll throw this in as a caveat. Retired ministers also qualify for housing allowance, assuming their plan is set up correctly. So my husband's a retired minister. He has an account that we can take tax-free from as long as we use it. So we are careful. It's it's designated as all housing allowance perpetually. We take from that to do our housing now. Um, but that being said, do not ever commingle retirement funds from a ministry job with retirement funds from another job. Okay? So if you have an IRA that you've set up on your own in addition to retirement funds from a church, don't ever combine those accounts. Separate, separate, separate. Okay? Because you don't want to destroy, you don't want to lose the integrity of that housing allowance in retirement. You could move it to, well, I don't know. I think I'm going to leave his where they are. <laughs> As opposed to moving it to a different brokerage. Because it, if we moved it, it would lose the 403B status that it has now. It would become an IRA, and I don't want to do that. So, John? Yes. <laughs> John fixed a, a cool door for us, and so he was asking about he should have charged us more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Miscellaneous supplies for housing. So this is your light bulbs. This is your cleaning supplies. Um, toilet brush, you know, kind of all the stuff you use to clean with. The furnace filter, um, all those things. Light bulbs are more expensive now that we've got the fancy ones. It used to be two ninety nine for a pack of four or six, and it's not anymore. Um, you don't replace them as often, but it's not cheap anymore. Um, utilities, so this is your gas. I put down, gas is on here. We're meaning like natural gas to heat your home, propane or propane. Um, electricity, water, sewer, garbage, internet, a landline, which very few people have anymore. Cell phone is a big, we're not sure, okay? IRS has not issued any letter rulings that I'm aware of to date regarding cell phone as a parsonage allowance. So I'm using parsonage and housing interchangeably here. IRS kind of uses those interchangeably. Um, there are no rulings that we know of. Personally, if a client is comfortable with it, we are taking their cell phone as a housing expense. I'm not taking their teenager's cell phones, however. Okay. Um, but I am taking them. But I am making them aware that this could be disallowed under audit. So you'll notice this, the bottom half of this worksheet starts with fair rental value. Yes? Oh, yep. Sorry, I, I was taking notes. This is really helpful information for me. Can you backtrack just a little sure. bit and talk about um, what of this do I need to be saving receipts for? And how, just how carefully do I need to add up and then keep records for the house? Yeah, you should really be saving receipts for everything. 
Now, if you go through an audit and you've got receipts for 85% of it, IRS is probably going to allow the rest as long, but I don't know. I mean, technically, they want records. That The utilities and stuff are pretty easy because you can go back several years and get those records from the utility company, the mortgage company, those kinds of things. It's easier to get. Um, Yes, they do fade. Do you need to write the amounts on them then? You, you probably sh you could. I don't personally unless I feel like, you know, some receipts you can tell are in worse shape than others or the ink is worse. I don't personally because really you probably only need it for about four years. Yes, you could scan receipts in and save them in some sort of folder. Yeah. Yeah. One other thing with the housing allowance on your house, if you have a parsonage, they provide as part of your income, your house, you have to pay the Social Security and the Medicare, Medicare. on that yes. as an income. So you put it in your contract or whatever, what that value is, and there's yes. stuff, wonderful stuff. If the parsonage is provided, you're living on site, which was what really, really common 50 years ago, really common, not as common today, that rental value that is provided to you is taxable for Social Security tax purposes. It needs to be specified in your contract what that value is, and you then, you could designate a little bit of parsonage, I mean some, certainly for, right, if you pick something out yourself, yes, yes, right. Um, so fair rental value, that's a difficult question. IRS has not codified how they really define that. There are some court cases. Um, you can call a realtor, ask them what the fair rental value is. It is the fair rental value of a furnished home, which that's also kind of nebulous. How do we bring that down? And what we tend to do is we're not valuation experts. We don't want to pretend to be. Personally, I've used Zillow's estimates for fair rental value and then added a little bit for housing. I don't add as much as it would take to go out and rent the furniture I have. For one thing, it's not all in, in new condition that they would rent to me for 400 a month, right? A lot of it's old. Um, Zillow, a realtor's a good and would probably stand up, especially if you could get them to put it in writing. Um, you could go out and get an official appraisal. That costs three, or $400 probably. I'm not sure you want to do that. And fair rental value for most of our clients only comes into play in the year they buy because they have a large down payment or a major improvement that they pay for with cash, like a roof. So if you finance that roof, you're going to write it off over time, right, as you make those payments. You're not going to write it all off in the year that you borrowed the money, kind of like you don't write off the whole house the year you buy the house. You only write off the part that you've paid. Um, and the fair rental value limitation, you get to add utilities to that. So utilities are not included in that fair rental value. You add those. So those are going to vary depending on your circumstances. For most clients, they're averaging four to 600 a month, I would guess. Um, the top part of that worksheet has um, computation of SAC. Social Security taxable income. So the salary, the first line says salary from your W-2. That would be the box one. Schedule C income, that is where your income from weddings, funerals, speaking, 
whatever else is in that box that did not come directly through your church. The housing and utility allowances, that is what the church has designated as housing. It should be in box 14 of your W-2. Occasionally it's not there. Occasionally we have to go back and say, uh, show me your housing allowance designation from the organization because it's not on your W-2. Um, there was one organization that we do several people for recently that decided they didn't need to include all the information on their W-2s this year, which was very helpful for us. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and then any reimbursements that weren't included above. So this, is, this reimbursements line is intended for those churches who are still giving just a general allowance, like 200 a month for auto or whatever, um, which used to be common. More and more, we're encouraging churches to move away from that, work, up, work an accountable plan. It's better for the minister, um, and it meets IRS guidelines. It saves them some tax. The next section, unreimbursed business expenses, I've listed a few of the things that are common to ministers. Reference or library materials, education seminar, licensing potentially. Meals for 2023 are 50% deductible. That's a change from last year, from 2022. You know, COVID, they changed a lot of things with meals and they're working back. But that would be yes. No, this would be, a, well, if you're paying Social Security tax, you, you want to track all of these expenses. Yeah. Under current law, if you have opted out of the Social Security system, then you don't need to track your professional expenses because there's no place to deduct them currently. That could change by 2026, which isn't that far away anymore. Yes. Okay. Good question. Yeah. Meals. So if you think of it as a salesperson, what they take prospective clients out yes. to lunch or dinner or have them in their home, that is a deductible meal expense for them. Same thing for pastors, ministers. If you are taking someone out or having them in your home, you're hosting them, there's a business purpose, um, that is a deductible expense. Ministry purpose, yes. And this is where sometimes it's really hard. Because our good friends, you know, our good friends come over. Is that a ministry expense just because we talk about ministry while they're there? No, probably not, especially if it's every other week, right? But we have a committee meeting at our house, and we have 10, 15, 20 people there. Absolutely, okay? That's an expense. Or you take a new couple at church, or you take a ministry leader out once in a while, Fellow staff member. So our youth pastor actually has a designated Dairy Queen fund. <laughs> it's, a, it's, account, it's an account that's reimbursable. Okay. So she takes kids out. She takes the youth group kids out to Dairy Queen. Dairy Queen, yep. She does yep. the with them, and then we reimburse her. Right. So if we weren't doing a reimbursable system, then if she, went, if she were to take them out and pay with her own money, she, would, she could get 50% Right. She um, could get a deduct. Yes. If she... Um, if, if you're paying for the funds with your own cash, so not being reimbursed for it, then you can deduct up to 50% of that against your Social Security calculation. The one benefit, if you have an accountable plan, is picking and choosing what expenses you run through that, right? Especially now. Meals are only 50% deductible on your, against your Social Security tax, but they're 100% reimbursable by the organization if it's an accountable plan. Okay. 
So pick and choose, especially if, if you're getting close and you're going over your um, accountable plan amounts. Um, for business expenses, IRS kind of looks at why, what, when, where, and who. Okay? Same thing for mileage, those kind of things. You went to the hospital. Okay, so it's a hospital run to see the Smiths. Okay? Or, and what was the date? You know, the mileage. Uh, you're supposed, IRS wants you to keep contemporary records. You can, in this day and age, there are apps that do a good job of that. Um, my husband used business cards that he kept in the console in the car, and he put the date, he put the miles, he put who he went to see, and that we didn't usually have to write down what it was for. It was usually pretty obvious, but occasionally he did. Yes, sir? You know, spreadsheets are great. In this day and age, more and more people are using them in some way. It needs to be your comfort level, whatever works for you. If you're going to keep better track with pen and paper, great. Most people are going to keep better track on a computer probably. Um, or if you're going to keep better track by putting all those individual receipts in a Ziploc bag so they don't fall out and get lost, and then going through them in January or December, as the case is, so you see where you are in your housing and whether you want to postpone that last payment or not. Um, business mileage rate for 2023 is right now at 65 and a half cents a mile. This changed mid-year last year in 2022. They had a mid-year change because gas pr prices skyrocketed. I've never known them to come down mid-year, I don't believe, but they've gone up several times in the last 15, 20 years. I don't foresee that happening again this year. would have to go up quite a bit from where it is now, I think, before they would consider that. So the, those are specific 2023 numbers. Those change every year. So when you're turning in mileage to for an accountable plan or to deduct it against Social Security tax, this is the mileage rate for 2023. There are two options for auto records. One is mileage. One is actual expenses. Almost, I think... To a T, all of our ministers use the mileage rate. It's simpler. It's less record-keeping. There are probably some circumstances where for a few people that might not be the best option, but for the most part it is. I want to come back to um, this idea of a pay package. One, you want to over-designate, okay? Two, you want to plan for reimbursable expenses. Some churches, there's a wide variation here in how churches handle um, professional expenses for a minister. Some churches say, we'll reimburse it no matter what. Some say, a lot of them say, We'll reimburse you for one seminar a year. We'll supply your supplies for the classes you're teaching, um, that kind of thing. But then anything over and above that, you need to provide yourself, and it's part of your expenses out of your paycheck. In that case, you really want to get a, re a 
reimbursable expenses set up an, under an accountable plan. Okay? There are examples. You can Google it. There are some in the minister's books. Um, you just want to dot your I's, cross your T's, do it correctly. Basically, it's if you, the easiest way to explain it is to think of it if any of you or your spouses have ever worked for someplace that had a, like a cafeteria plan or a flex reimbursement plan for medical expenses. You designate in advance. It reduces your salary. Use it or lose it. Okay? The church can't come back in at the end of the year and say, oh, well, we really meant to pay you that extra 500 you didn't spend. No, 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 no. That does away with the whole plan for the whole year. So this is use it or lose it type thing. You get it set up before the year starts. But be aware, if you didn't spend it all, say you're, you set aside 2000 which is not unusual at all, for reimbursable expenses, and you didn't spend 200 of it, well, one, you could go out and buy up front some extra supplies for next year if there's something you could use. Two, it's not the end of the world because you already saved 15.3% on that at least, plus probably 21% income tax. So you still saved money. HR, HR um, she has a high um, deductible health care plan. So high deductible health care plans need to be set up along with a health insurance plan. You would need to generally... She doesn't lose it. That's different. That's different. Now, she she yeah. it, meaning that she can't, can't just cash it out. Right. It'll still be there to spend until, while she's working. Okay, that's different. That's different. Okay. Yeah, I know we, I need to wrap this up here. A um, couple of quick thoughts here. Um, structure your pay package. Over-designate your housing. Set up an accountable plan. Retirement plans, the one caveat to retirement plans. Simple plans are easy for churches to set up. If your church doesn't have a retirement plan, simple plans are a great way to go. There's not a lot of paperwork for the organization. It's flexible for you within certain parameters. It saves on both income and Social Security tax for a pastor. It does reduce the, the um, Social Security benefits because you're reducing that income. And the church can only match on what's in box one, okay? They can't match on your housing for, for a simple. There are also 403B plans. Um, those are more complex, require more paperwork at the organization level than the simples. So I know I need to wrap it up. This episode was produced by the Northwest Christian Network. Theme song is Simply Beautiful by Scott Riggin. The Northwest Christian Network is a network of Christians and churches gathering together to serve the kingdom and cast their net across the Northwest. Find out more about our ministries and events at www.nwchristiannetwork.com. I'm Matt Holmes. Thanks for listening.